sometimes some of the language used is a little bit patronizing okay. or um I noticed in some pitching that I was asked questions which are different to um, what men were asked and as though I just didn't know really what I was talking about. And then I, I can quickly address those because I do know what I'm talking about, but it's just annoying. Hi, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to our final episode of the Two Pensworth series. Throughout this series so far, we have been hearing the stories, the successes and the challenges of female founders in climate tech. I got inspired to do this series when I learned the fact that in 2022, for every one pound of VC money, less than two pence went to companies with female founding teams. And considering that 20% of UK businesses are all female led, you can see just how disproportionate that 2% of funding really is. So I wanted to try and do my part to shine a spotlight on the achievements of some amazing female founders in climate and try to provide a space where we could celebrate their wins, acknowledge the challenges that they face, but most importantly, share the resources, the advice and the tips that have helped them along the way. And today to round out what has been a wonderful series, I am joined by Nikki Gaddo, founder of Goodmine. Goodmine is a circular platform helping us to throw away better helping consumers to find the right places to take their unwanted stuff. An economist at heart, Nikki spent over 13 years working in investment banking before her passion for climate and sustainability led her into the world of sustainable finance and social impact funds. But it was a broken coffee machine during lockdown that fueled that fire in her, which became Goodmine. So Nikki, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Good, my absolute pleasure. So we always kick off these episodes by asking our founders to tell us a bit more about their business. So I've given a very brief description of what Goodmine is, but in your own words, can you add a kind of a bit more flavour, I suppose, to what is Goodmine, what's the platform, what are you building, and who is it for? Okay, so <laughs> I, I have a very long-winded way of explaining what Goodmine is, because actually something like where building doesn't actually exist at the moment. Um and the main reason why it doesn't exist is because uh, we're building something for the circular economy. And at the moment, everything is set up for a linear economy. So I, I appreciate that some people listening might not know what the difference is between a circular economy and a linear economy is. It's basically the concept of maximizing um, the resources that we have. So we all have to live on the same planet. There is a finite amount of resources. So we need to make sure that those resources are used really wisely. And so that comes from, you know, making sure when we take something, we design it well, you know, we, we're not designing anything that doesn't need to exist in the first place. When we design it, it's designed to last um, and then it exists. And then we maximize the, that product um, the usage of that product so it's used again and again it's repaired and then ultimately when it's you know it's its end of life it's retired and then it's taken apart and all of those resources that have been invested in that product then go back into the system so at the moment that kind of infrastructure just doesn't exist and it's one of the kind of major goals across the globe that we all need to transition to a circular economy. So, so this is a very long-winded way of getting to explain what Goodwine is about. But we're, we're just trying to make implement some infrastructure that just doesn't exist. So when you buy a, a new product, 
um, at the moment. You you buy it and then you own it and you own it. And then it's your responsibility to find how to get rid of that product if you don't need it anymore or it's broken. And then, you know, then it's up to the waste system to really like figure out what to do with it. Or you might be able to rehome it. The problem in you know transitioning to the circular economy it's very very confusing um i'm just talking in particular to kind of consumer products which is where we're focused at is because when we buy stuff and we've got into the behavior of you know you buy stuff you use it and then you know when you no longer want it you know you pass it on and you've got your set ways of doing it maybe you take it to a charity shop maybe you just take it to the household recycling center maybe you live on the street but there are so many options out there and the circular ecosystem is growing every day um, we've got some amazing innovators in the space upcycling anything from inflatables um, to bicycle tires uh, to you know you know there's a big push to um, enable um, repair as well yeah. And there's, you know, there's a, I, I come across these innovators all the time and, you know, small businesses, um, there's a small business, there's a, you know, one of the programs that I was working with, um, innovation programs, I came across this individual who wanted to set up a, you know, secondhand electronics shop, but he just didn't have any supply of the secondhand electronics shop because everybody takes it to the dump when something's not working and he wanted to take broken stuff and repair it. So, you know, people just aren't aware of the innovation uh going on in the circular ecosystem or where to take things yeah so that's like my intro <laughs> and now what is good mine so what we are building is basically an easy way to co digitally connect those dots so you as a let's say the custodian of a product you've bought that product you're owning it um you no longer want it we kind of give you an easy way to do the right thing with that product by kind of directing you to um the right place for the product in its current condition um so it's like a bit of a matchmaking platform for unwanted goods so between the unwanted good and the ultimate destination the best circular outcome for that just um for that, that product so that um we're always max seeking to maximize um the, the outcome for that product. Now the crux is here is you know we're totally non-judgmental because people are busy and they need to um you know sustainable behaviors everybody wants to do that and aspires to do that but you know there's lots of barriers to do it because the system just isn't designed for that it's designed for us to throw away. So we're making this really easy by creating an app for you know individuals just to use so it's free and you just search on it and then you're kind of matched with the your local um you know best next user or, or recipient for your unwanted stuff that's so amazing that's so long, long and, short. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and that context is really helpful because i think sometimes actually i know perhaps i can even be guilty of the fact that i i exist in such an eco what's the word echo chamber um of people that know all these terminology like circular economy so actually yeah to, to preface by giving that context is really valuable so thank you for that um but yet that's so valuable because there are so many times where i will have an item and i'll think right well i'll take it to the charity shop and they go sorry we don't accept those and then beyond that you think well i could put it on facebook marketplace i could put it on olio and see if anybody wants it on there but beyond that being able to connect with you know local nurseries that would take children's toys or a women's refuge that would take you know clothing or whatever is is really really useful so that's amazing i would definitely use it thank you <laughs> and um, new customer love, I like inspiration 
for it because I mentioned in the in the intro there about it was a broken coffee machine during lockdown that made you go why doesn't this exist talk, talk me through that story where the idea came from and then that kind of early days of because it was only 2021 wasn't it so of like of getting this off the ground yeah so my coffee machine actually like my husband's Italian and he really cares about his coffee um and we had this quite you know quite fancy coffee machine that had done its service and um it just had a broken thermostat so the coffee was not coming out the right temperature and I was uh you know researching obviously everything was shut down so this made it like multiple times more difficult but you know we loved this coffee machine um, and I was just trying to research how to fix it. So I contacted like there is a very useful repair directory in North London. So I checked there, emailed like loads of people. Nobody responded. Um, I got in contact with a manufacturer who just basically said, you know, can't do anything, no spare parts. Um, you know, and then I was like, why can't, why is this so hard? I just want my coffee machine fixed. I don't want a new one. I can see that it's all kind of everything else is working it's just that thermostat um I watched a guy on um YouTube fixing one of these machines and he like he's an expert and he sliced his hand open when it was trying to open the casing I was like okay you know I'm quite game for a lot of these things but I'm not going to do that because I don't trust myself um not causing some massive injury so you know that coffee machine sat in our living room for a whole year um just like staring at me whilst I was working and um, I was doing some contracting at the time and I just couldn't I couldn't get rid of it and ultimately we had to take it to the household recycling and it broke my heart because then anyway, I was quite attached to that coffee machine anyway um, but it was just taking up space and I literally had done everything I could and I'm determined about these things I, it, you know it defeated me and you know I was just like why is this so hard and you know when I was contacting the you know the manufacturer and um you know the the repair people and one of the the problems is like the, the thermostat wasn't available um and you know I started you know me being uh like I I like when I see a problem I'm just like ah why can't I why can't I fix this so I started looking into like the legal obligations of manufacturers um, and then that kind of led me down a rabbit hole into like looking into waste legislation, like why, you know, why can't they be accountable? And then that kind of um, kind of took me into like uh, the waste strategy. Why, you know, you know, and, you know, some of the theory theory diagrams about the circular economy. Like I, I was aware of the circular economy, but probably not the terminology at the time. Um, and so I did some training trained myself up in circular economy. I was doing a certificate in ESG investing at the time. Um, and, you know, all of these kind of little nuggets kind of connected. And I was like, okay, well, you know, ESG, you know, those guys who like ESG investing is when people doing investing in like uh, good companies, good causes, um, but they actually need reporting and data in order to drive those investments. Um, and then I looked and I was like, ah, there's no, uh, there's no data which is kind of informing people how to, you know, like how to make good investments about waste. You know, why does that data not exist? And so I kept looking at all of these things and I just saw this massive gap, data gap. And I was like, why, why does that not exist? And then sitting that alongside like these theoretical diagrams, you've got the circular economy diagrams where you've got these beautiful butterflies and, you know, things are meant to keep on going round. But then at the crux of it, you've got um, 
I don't know whether you know the famous diagram, the butterfly diagram I'm talking about, but in the corner of that diagram, there's a little person sitting there who has to direct goods to the right place. And I was like, that is me. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, that's my, me with my coffee machine. So I, you know, I, you know, this whole thing is connected and I, I'm a bit of a systems thinker. Mm. So I was just like, oh, all these things, you know, data is not there, you know, you know, everybody's thinking that people know how to do this when actually they don't. Mm. I went to the policy and, you know, when you look into this particular part of reuse and kind of redistribution, there's like this big fuzzy language where, where, where nobody really knows what to do. And it's because the data is not there. The data doesn't exist at all. Like it's very um, segregated. Mm. Um, and so I was like, OK, well, we need to find a way to consolidate that data number one for everybody's benefit and then two was like thinking how, actually how do I monetize that data you know I can't you know there are a couple organizations mainly NGOs who do try to consolidate some of that data but you know that's not sustainable we need like this as a system like we need this ecosystem to exist and so that is basically you know, it started at this coffee machine but that is how like the whole kind of it grew and grew and grew and grew into this massive massive vision and I was like okay so let's try to start fixing this um and it is it is a complex complex problem yeah. which means that you know in itself you know good mind is a response which is you know quite complex in our business model and what we're building but it's a complex response to a complex solution but you know the outcomes and services that we're providing so you know this easy kind of signposting service to for consumers is you know quite intuitive like when I describe it everybody's like oh yeah we really it's a really needed service um yet you know for for councils which you know which is partly how we're um going to launch we're, we're launching our pilot in a couple of weeks time within in, in Islington so super excited about that so um we're partnering with councils who are interested in waste prevention to basically help us promote the tool and give the tool to their residents so that they can you know collect the data get a better picture of what's going on in their uh, local economy so that they can support individuals to set up um, circular businesses, identify gaps, you know, maybe there's a whole bunch of toasters in Islington that, you know, are getting ditched because there's no one around to fix them. And so, you know, you can only really kind of identify those opportunities where when you see can actually have the data to see those gaps. Um, and then on top of that, then we're kind of you know the next stage once we've got enough users will be to kind of launch it into the retail sector so that actually um uh, retailers have an additional engagement point with their customers like you're adding additional value you're helping them do the right thing but equally you're you, you're getting the data to feed back into better products and better you know supporting your customers to do the right thing with those products um so you know it's it's a whole ecosystem but like we have to build it in little pieces and it's very important that all of these stakeholders are involved um because there's no way that one person like you can't just tell consumers you must be able to take these things to the right people or places because that's just that's not fair that's not like the it's not solely the responsibility of the consumers to know what to do um so yeah hopefully we're making breaking down these kind of problems and just you know connecting the dots so that the whole system becomes that much easier yeah absolutely and you've recently so you've got this new pilot starting in a couple of weeks which you mentioned with Islington Council which is very exciting and um, recently won a grant as well right yes 
Yeah, yeah how so, was that um, process? Yeah, so I have to say the <laughs> Innovate UK, so we've won three Innovate UK grants, um, which is incredible. We're so lucky to have got them because they're so competitive. Um, but we, so, like, we, we've been very specific and targeted in terms of the, the competitions that we've applied for just to make sure that we kind of invest the time in, you know, into, like, into the right kind of competitions because these bids take a very long time to write and you know the one that we've just won um which is the net zero digital accelerator uh we applied for in collaboration with islington council okay so you know it was really key to have their support and islington council have been amazing because they've been supporting us um from like day one they gave us our first kind of circular economy grant um which you know i like it so it feels really wonderful to kind of have gone round all like full circle to talk to them initially about the you know the vision and what we wanted to build and now actually to be able to trial it with them yeah um is so exciting yeah that's fantastic and and how have you found sort of as a as a woman going through this founder journey and as a, a sole female founder as well how's that experience been and have you have you, do you feel you faced adversity being a woman on that journey or do you yeah what how has it been for you so I'd say like I, from my from my banking career where um you know you get quite hardened to being in a male dominated environment so I have to say that experience has made me quite resilient yes. and I think you know I it also made me not afraid to ask questions or ask for help because mm. what I was doing in banking, um, you know, often I didn't know the answers. So I would, I would go and just, uh, you know, go and ask people. I'd find people who I think know the answer and I would go and ask them. So, you know, in terms of um, seeking support um, as a sole founder and a sole female founder, I found that like actually um, people have been quite um, forthcoming and you know, wanting to offer me that soft support yeah which has been great um you know it, or, you know good mind is so complex that it's very hard to um <laughs> just like you have to pick you know it's almost like I've had to draw in expertise at the right points at the right time um I, I would have loved to have you know you know more support but you know just I, it's almost like I didn't have time to find, you know, the people to help me along the journey. Um, but you know, so I've I've had these key partners come come in along the way, which has been amazing. So, um, you know, amazing environmental consultants, tech people, um, advisors, and everything. Um, what has been really kind of surprising though for me because bearing in mind I've got this kind of mindset from banking like I've been told no a lot of times so that doesn't bother me I know that that can be a big kind of obstacle for some but that doesn't bother me but what does bother me is that when I you know when I have had calls with uh or kind of discussions with investors um I feel like and I, I might be interpreting this wrong but like sometimes some of the language used is a little bit patronizing okay. or um I noticed in some pitching that I was asked questions which were different to um what men were asked and as though I just didn't know really what I was talking about and then 
I, I can quickly address those because I do know what I'm talking about, but yeah. it's just annoying. Yes. Um, and I'm fundraising at the moment. Uh, I think the, and I haven't had a lot of time to do, you know, as, as much as I want in terms of kind of engaging with investors. But, um, you know, as a sole founder, you get this, um, you already get this, you know, no, we'd rather be working with kind of two founders because, yeah. you know, I guess, and I totally understand that it's like spreading the risk, um, you know, somebody leaves or, you know, also it's so intense that it's good to have, you know, a bit of a uh, bit more resource in the, in the company. Um, but the, yeah, I think the, the, the fundraising aspect is one where actually when you, you know, you said at the beginning, all those stats about, you know how little money gets to gets to female founders i feel like being a sole founder is like one obstacle in itself which i can mm -hmm. understand logically the female founder element is just i get asked these different questions it's almost like i, I feel like there's this barrier um yes. even before i i've got there and you know it's just it's just hard and it's frustrating and i still i'm still raising and maybe ask me in six months time whether it's different <laughs> but i just you know i i would like to be going you know so so i in a nutshell i think there's lots of soft support mm. but it's money i need yes. money i just yeah. i know what i'm doing i just need money that's it exactly and um yeah you're so right and i think that a lot of the the women that I've that I've interviewed throughout this series have said the same. Have said that it's most evident when speaking to you know when fundraising and when speaking to investors that there's almost this layer of cynicism that's there from the outset, and it's yeah. almost like the investors are coming into the room going right you my my base my base point is no but you need to convince me otherwise rather than going in with my base point is yes and I'm going to look for reasons to say no. Does that make sense? It's that sort of yeah 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 but it's. It's sometimes some of the language, like I had, I remember my first call with a VC, I was told, oh, um, your business sounds more like a project. And I'm like, I, I found that actually, you know, I look back, at, you know, it's it's something that stayed with me. So it bothered mm -hmm. me. You know, yeah. this is not like I haven't built this as a project. I have worked very hard to make sure that we have a viable business model. I am monetizing based on actual other business models that I've seen succeed. You know, everything has been built using, you know, not just like market research from, you know, the product angle, but also looking at business models. Like, how do I go to market? How do You've I- You've got a degree you know, in economics, 13 years yeah. in banking. You're not gonna go into it for a hobby. <laughs> No. So, you know, I found that so rude. Um, and, you know, uh, I guess, you know, you just smile through it. People think that's an okay thing to say, but I I found that very, like, yeah. don't say that. Don't ever no. say that to someone who's put so much into building a business. Absolutely. And I wonder, I wonder if partly as you go through that fundraising journey, the background that you do have in banking and in economics will mean that perhaps you're going into that a little bit better prepared, even though than, than some female founders will. I've read a really interesting stat this week. I was doing some research for something and it was a JP Morgan study that said that on average, female founders give away 10 percent more equity when fundraising than their male counterparts do, which I thought was really interesting. And I wonder I wonder why that is. Is that because women are generally going in, perhaps less informed generally? I don't know, because they're less likely to have come from a banking or an investment or a 
you know, a, a financial background? Um, or is it that there is a sort of more of an unfair power dynamic in the negotiation and therefore women are more likely to give away more? I'd, but yeah, really surprised or you me. Know what? It might be um, generosity, right? right? So right now, like, you know, I'm very grateful for the help that I get, right? Mm -hmm. And for the right, you know, person and the right support, I would give away equity. You know, I've been in the fortunate situation where we've been grant majority grant funded, um, which has brought us here. And, you know, and basically we've been grant funded because I haven't had access to any other sources of funding. Like I, I haven't been able to find um, investors uh, um, in any other way. So, um, you know, so actually from, from my perspective, I've done very well in retaining quite a lot of equity. But or it might be, um, you know, trying to draw in kind of help, maybe a confidence issue because you want to share the burden more um, and kind of not being wanting to be so hardcore work life balance. Um, I do think there will be an element of not knowing um, what someone is worth or, you know, how much to give away. Um, and that's where I think advisors are really helpful. There's actually like when there's not that much online resource, which, you know, websites or anything that help you figure that stuff out, because it's to do with like the valuation of your business, you know, the role, how long they're going to how long they're going to be there. Um, you know, the value that they're going to add, the skill set and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, you know, I come from a banking background, but, you know, the, the whole kind of equity kind of packages for founders or co-founders or like hiring staff is a totally new thing to me mm. um and that's where like talking to people like yourselves and you know consultants and um advisors has been really helpful just to understand that but again there's not much online because you know people i guess at startups we've come on at different times yeah you, yes. this is where you're more you're you're more of an expert here than me but um it's just so opaque. Yeah, it is. You're right. It is. And it is pulling all that information together is really difficult and time consuming. And yeah, there's a whole business there and someone streamlining that, right? Yeah. My yeah. <laughs> dears. Um, so what are the resources that have helped you along the way, Nikki? Because we always round these episodes out by giving some really good kind of, I suppose, signposting um, that other female founders can use on their journeys. So the first resource that we ask people to give us is a people-based resource. So a network, a community, an organisation that has supported you through your journey and that you would recommend to others. So I have a few. Um, yeah, the more the better. I would give it, yeah, so I would, first of all, because, you know, I started Good Mind and I, I live in Islington, I would give a massive shout out to Islington Council. And that's like a really maybe an unusual place to start because um i guess they were just their their kind of a local economies team and their waste team were just so um supportive and you know i think they, they were like this there's this crazy woman <laughs> she wants to do something crazy but you know they gave me the grant and then they connected me with other uh you know local businesses within the community so that was like the first Kind of taste of community that i had um they also connected me with re london um who are the you know a the experts in circular economy for london and for london council so re london have been amazing as well um 
and they've kind of connected me into another community and so it's kind of you know building on that um the the game changing one though for me was when i joined alia um impact accelerator i know you've spoken to alex Bertels mm -hmm. on here as well and we were part of the same cohort and we met oh, there hey. ah. um, so we are like that uh support network from alia was fantastic um and you know we're still in contact we give each other support um so it's like different you know let's say different support for different things so Islington have been amazing in terms of the specialism for my building my business we London have been amazing at connecting me to the circuit economy people but then from the um you know from the founders and mental health and like asking stupid questions um you know I'd say that Alia has been fantastic um, and then on top of that you know with raising um, for, I'm raising with Founder Catalyst and so they've got a fantastic um, network on there as well but the last one I'm probably like like That's hitting you with loads of them um, the female founders um, rise um, that network this series yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I've made so many fantastic connections to female founders there, mm -hmm. um, new people in other kind of verticals uh, who are different stages of um, raising, which is great. Um, and, you know, it's just and, and within all of these communities, you come across the same people, um, which, again, is quite nice. You, so, again, that's another kind of element of, you know, don't just join one network, you're doing lots of networks. And then you, you know, it's another way of like recognizing people and supporting people. Um, and, you know, when you give also people you know you get back um so that's probably the biggest thing is like when you join these networks they're only as valuable as as much as you're willing to participate and engage with them um otherwise you know it's just introducing yourself to people who you might never see again yeah yeah absolutely no i love that that's and like you said you you can't just have one right because there are different things have added something different to your journey in different yeah. ways so yeah that's brilliant yeah. thank you so much and then the second one is any sort of media-based resources that you would recommend so that's like book podcast ted talk anything like that that, that people should check out um <laughs> i'm so specialist in what i look at um because i uh book I don't know. You know what? I think rather than recommending a specialist like founder type book, I would just say read like for pleasure, because I think, um, you know, when I like I, I basically Google or ask people stuff, I don't tend to go to books themselves. I don't have a lot of time. Obviously, like one of my biggest inspirational um, books is um, by Kate Rayworth. Um, the donut economy like it's just she's fantastic and the concept is that but that's kind of quite niche and not very kind of founderish um yeah so I I don't I don't know the answer to that question I think like a lot of the time I spend when I have a question I literally go th through LinkedIn or go through my network and I will go and ask someone I don't yeah. tend to spend too much time kind of getting inspired from you know books or particular things because I just don't have time I, I think this might come back to the fact that I'm a sole founder don't have time to like invest in in doing like so much you know research for building the business but like specific questions I will just go and go and ask yeah 
Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. No, fair enough. But Donut Economics, the Donut Economy, Kate Rayworth would be one that, that yeah. you did enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great book. Um, and she's been interviewed lots. I think if you just Google her name on Spotify, she's had so many. There's so many podcasts that she features on and she's fascinating. She's great. Amazing, um, yeah. Like a proper disruptor. Yeah. Um, and the final one being um, a business role model. And we had somebody give us a company, actually, rather than an individual. So that's an option as well. And they don't have to be climate focused. But is there anyone out there in the business world that you look up to or admire? Oh, it has to be... Uh, <laughs> Both uh, Olio. I love Olio. I love how, um, you know, the vision of Olio, the engagement with um, the community. It's this fantastic hybrid model. Um, you know, they've grown so much. They're making so much impact. Um, they've also inspired lots of people. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's definitely, I would pick Olio. But, you know, yeah, if I was going to name, like, definitely my top one would be. Yeah. And again, they have been the most chosen on this series so far. And we actually interviewed Sasha last week. Um, so know, if anybody missed that episode, go check it out. She was wonderful, as we fully expected she would be. Um, brilliant. That's so great, Nikki. Thank you so much for sharing those recommendations. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Best of luck with the pilot and everything you've got going on over the coming months. I'm sure it'll all be fantastic. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to do a follow-up series where we can catch up with everybody and hear how they're all getting on in the future um, but for now thank you to Nikki thank you to everybody that's joined us and listened not just to this episode but to all of the others in the series I really appreciate it this is us over and out now for this series but there will be further series coming to you if you missed any of the episodes go and check them out on my LinkedIn profile um, on our above and beyond YouTube channel and also on Acast and Spotify and Apple podcasts so thank you so much have a great day everyone bye Thank you for listening. Please follow the show to be noted of all future episodes. We've also saved videos of all of our interviews over on the Above and Beyond YouTube channel. Check out the show notes to find the links to this and links to all of the resources mentioned on today's show.